0: You can't tell people the truth because it will hurt them. What you think about yourself determines how you feel about yourself. My whole life was a paradigm that had to shift. My entire life was like programming that was riding on autopilot. Hi there, welcome to Life and Break. My name is Ben Ofori and I am super grateful that you are here. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. At the time of recording this and, you know, uh, the joy of having to kickstart an important journey like this with you, my friends and loved ones, is so overwhelming. Uh, I am extremely excited to be doing this right now with you all. Yeah. Before I even get into the nitty gritty of today, let me just say a big thank you to all of you for the support and love shown me over the past few weeks. Uh, after i announced the launch of this podcast i had had some friends and some colleagues call me and some texting me congratulating me and wishing me luck and you know i felt loved it has been so helpful and so encouraging thank you so much thank you all Uh, this is actually my first episode and to be honest it has been challenging and tough, like, not as I imagined. But of course, the, as the saying goes, nothing good ever comes easy. My, my only hope is that with time, things will become much easier. And, you know, the anxiety that comes with starting something new, something big, uh, would reduce so that we'll have a much uh, easier episodes. Yeah so for the many of you who don't really know me and are listening to me for the first time i have always been all about creating change and sharing positive energy whereby i found myself yeah so i i pretty much understand that this is going to be a whole new level of learning and growing experience for all of us i encourage you to um hit the like button follow me so that anytime i drop a new episode you would be the first to to see it thank you so much as my first episode there's that high temptation for me to jump right into issues which i'm resisting right now (laughs) I feel it's it's much better for us to get along and for me to create that best friend vibe with you by making this episode a little more about me. I want to get a little personal and vulnerable sharing with you my journey of how I struggle with shyness and inferiority complex. I will also share with you some personal stories and encounters that will make you smile and as well make you probably want to cry. Yes. Nevertheless, I also understand the kind of world in which we live today, where almost everyone is trying to put their best foot forward so they don't get judged. When you open your Instagram or Snapchat app today, everyone is posting and talking only about their achievements and successes. The nice dresses and fun moments with friends, drinks, yeah, scarcely do you see anyone share about the times they are depressed or maybe dealing with something that troubles them. And this is a problem. Because it makes any vulnerable information about someone that comes onto the media space look like a scandal or a leak. So it makes it difficult to openly share your dark sides and have deep conversations about the things you struggle with on a personal level. But regardless of all these things, I'll try the best way I can to make this space feel like you are talking to your best friend. Because the truth is that we've all been through some sort of difficult times at a point in our lives and the least we can have is people uh, we care about judging us for the things we are not in so much control of. To start with, I know many people out there don't really see shining as a problem because they think it's a temperament. And to be honest, I also don't think it's a problem until maybe it starts limiting you from living the kind of life you want to live. Now, if you happen to be uh, part of the cohort of people who see shyness as a temperament pay attention to whatever i'm going to tell you right now this might actually change a belief system that we've been holding on to for many many years because shyness is not a temperament many of us confuse it with introversion introverts are not shy people they may look shy because they are naturally quiet and you know reserved people but they are not necessarily shy even so The baseline is that no matter your temperament, whether you are introvert, extrovert, or ambivet, anytime you find yourself in a social situation that makes you feel a certain level of discomfort, maybe you find yourself in a situation that you feel small around people, you cannot keep eye contact, you cannot strike a conversation with people, you're always looking down, you're always fidgeting with something, you are uneasy even though the situation is not life-threatening. Just know that all these things are signs, they are symptoms of shyness. I think at this point, it's uh, worth mentioning that uh, shyness exists on a spectrum ranging from mild to severe. Some individuals may experience it in a specific situation. Maybe when they are performing on stage. Some only experience it when they are giving uh, a talk or they are doing public speaking. Uh, some others also struggle with it more consistently across different areas of their lives. Instinctively, we all know that shyness has always been a symptom of a deeper underlying factor. It may be, you know, a feeling of inadequacy that stems from having a negative self-image or low self-esteem. Now, self-image, which is the core of human personality, has a, a very huge role to play in how a person views himself. You know, we were all born into this life with a blank canvas. We were born neutral. We were not born uh, negative or positive. That's why there's no negative child or positive child. A child in America will cry as a child in Ghana. We were all born the same. But the difference is that the environment or society in which we live become the tools we use in shaping whoever we become in life. But unfortunately, the hardest part of you know shaping ourselves happen within the first few years of our lives when we barely even know what is good and what is bad to a high extent i agree that the first stages of constructing your self image comes from your childhood experiences whatever happens to you as a child whatever situation you go through as a child whether painful or uh, not painful has serious implications on your personality because it is this stage of life that beliefs are formed and you know, a character is built. So it, it is imperative, even as an adult, to constantly trace your life back into your childhood and assess if any negative attitude you have now as an adult has roots from your childhood. Myself as a child, I grew up living most of my life in fear. Yes, I was so shy, timid. I was scared of people. I barely would look anyone in the eye when talking to them. And, you know, it wasn't as, as though... The people around me were looking terrifying or sort of, but there was just some sort of internal weight of inadequacy that always made me feel small about myself. And that feeling of inadequacy really placed me in a lot of dark holes of insecurities. Like I was always in anxieties. I was always looking on my shoulders, trying to know if I'm hurting someone or if someone, someone was hurting me. I couldn't speak for myself. I couldn't defend myself. I avoided confrontations of all sorts. This was really, really hard for me. I remember the first time I went to the bank to open a bank account. When I entered the banking hall, I didn't know what to do or maybe who to approach. So I was just standing there at the back until one beautiful young lady who works there approached me and asked me what I wanted to do. Then I couldn't even talk clearly and loud enough for her to to hear me out or to hear what whatever i was trying to say and because of that when she was filling my forms she made a mistake in spelling my name she spelled the band with a double n i saw this mistake i saw it clearly and i knew it was a mistake but surprisingly i couldn't open my mouth to correct her and uh, she took my ID card. You know, when you are feeling from they take your ID cards and photocopy them, she took my ID card and realized that ah, she made a mistake. She asked me why I didn't correct her. I was just there looking at her. Now, when I left there, it became clear to me that there was something wrong with me. There was something actually wrong with me. So it got to a point that I was always thinking about why I acted the way I, I did. And even though I didn't really like the way I lived, I had no idea how to change from you know being that frustrated, timid, and depressed child to, to becoming that cool kid everyone loved. And at first, I thought maybe all those feelings were just some childhood thing, but I was wrong. Growing up, every pattern of behavior I had as a child followed me into adulthood. And, you know, it wasn't until I started to unpack my childhood experiences, looking back, that I began to understand how all these things were impacting my life. So this is how it all started. I lost my dad at an early age. And I didn't also stay with my mom. I lived with my uncle. It was such a busy house that we had a lot of older folks also living with us. If I'll be honest, living there felt like living in a high school boarding house. Staying in a household with... A lot of people, a lot of older people who were always and like constantly shouting at me at any little thing. What I had to do was just learn to be quiet and uh, and then avoid embarrassment at all. costs. Because uh, even as a child, I remember how sensitive I was and how badly I longed to be loved and treated as an adult. But... All those folks shouting and yelling at me at the slightest thing. It was so traumatic. And uh, the only time I felt an escape from all those things was when I had to leave for school. So school became the only place I could escape to, I could hide. I'm pretty sure that there are millions of confident people out there who grew up without a connection with their real parents. And I'm not also in any way trying to paint a picture that Anyone who have or is suffering from shyness and low self-esteem have had similar experiences as mine, no. The point is that our childhood experiences, whether good or bad, have significantly shaped us into the kind of people we, we become. To some people, it was a negative comments they constantly heard from their parents or maybe their teachers, peers and someone in authority and it got to them. To some, it was all those years of being bullied and picked up on by their peers in school. And to some, it was the abusive home they they came from. To every single person who suffered self-identity crisis, it was at a point in time from their childhood where they had to deal with a negative experience that they didn't really understand. But all the same, I don't think my childhood has been the worst of its kind compared to the trauma a lot of children my age back then were going through. And even so, I, I feel that I still missed out on a lot of things. Things like hugs and kisses from a mom. You know, that playful touch from a dad. Also, that kind of intimate relationship I would have had with my my real parents. All these things really, really affected every aspect of my life. One of the many things shyness turned me into was a people pleaser. Yes, I became a people pleaser. And it's not like I'm saying people pleasing is is bad. Of course, everybody wants to be pleased. And it feels good to please people because when you please people, they are always happy with you. But the danger of it is that people pleasing makes you a liar. You can't tell people the truth because it will hurt them. So you lie to them to keep them happy. This is what I was doing. I was making people happy. So when there's a fight between party A and party B, because I don't want to look back to any of the parties, I'll go to party A. Hey, you are not at fault. Party B is at fault. When I go to party B, I tell party B, hey, it's not at fault, man. Party A is totally at fault. He shouldn't have said this. He shouldn't have said that. And this is the situation I found myself in. I was pleasing people. You know, I became a pushover. I didn't have control over my own time and the things I liked. Someone would just appear. Charlie, let's go here. And off, we are are gone. I couldn't say no. And with my relationships, it was worse. I was... I couldn't make friends. And even with the opposite sex, I was this kind of child that... If you tease me with a lady or if you tease me with the opposite, I would cry. So it was a no-go area for me. And even with the same sex, anyone who was outspoken and confident was a threat to me. I thought of confident people as, you know, these arrogant and insensitive people because they could say and actually do things I was so terrified of doing. And I think part of that came from the way I was raised at home to not talk when adults are talking. And honestly, honestly, I don't know if it's a good way of training a child. But one thing I've realized is that that kind of training made me timid. Even as an adult, I still have debris of that mental block that sometimes, you know, try to prevent me from holding meaningful conversations with people that are a bit older than me. One other aspect of my life that really got affected by the fact that I was shy and timid was the aspect of pursuing my passions. I can boldly say through my experiences that looking down on yourself, shyness or whatever you choose to call it, if not dealt with, can make you lose golden opportunities. I am saying this because back then when I used to be so shy, anytime I'm given an opportunity to do something worthwhile, maybe represent my class in a quiz competition or do a presentation in class. Even though everyone in the class knew that I was the best to do that, I always thought otherwise. I always felt that, no, there was someone better. There was someone else that deserved that opportunity. And I would definitely mess up if I accepted to do it. I used to be so scared of getting people's attention, especially in a more formal setting. I remember when I was in college, we were given a topic in psychology to present on. And I was part of this serious five-member group during the time of preparing for the presentation, I already knew that with the kind of group members I had, there was no way I was going to lead a presentation. So I often wouldn't show up for the presentation rehearsals. The funny part was that none of the group members were bothered about my unavailability because they also knew that there was no way I was going to accept to do the presentation on behalf of the group. So fast forward on the D-day of the presentation. The class was so quiet and you know, everyone was serious. When it got to the turn of my group to do our presentation, the five of us came out to stand in front of the class. And (laughs) as usual, I stood at the extreme back just to not get noticed. Just when the one who was supposed to do the presentation would start, the lecturer pointed to my direction and said, hey, you come and do the presentation. I looked back to see if someone was standing behind me. Then again, he pointed at me that, hey, you, I said, you should come and do the presentation. (laughs) Now I was convinced he was talking to me. And immediately, I couldn't feel my legs anymore. I started sweating profusely. And like, seriously, my heart started pounding such that I thought someone standing close to me could even hear it. My world came to a standstill, and and at that moment, I would even prefer to jump out of an airplane 25,000 miles above sea level without a parachute than face those 34 friends of mine in that little 15 by 30 feet lecture hall just to read a script. That was how desperate I was just to save myself from putting my face out there to face a possible embarrassment. All these things were because I didn't believe I was good enough. And with my relationships, it was worse. I was, I couldn't make friends. And even with the opposite sex, I was this kind of child that if you tease me with a lady or if you tease me with the opposite, I would cry. I would cry helplessly. So it was a no-go area for me. And even with the same sex, anyone who was outspoken and confident was a threat to me. I thought of confident people as, you know, these arrogant and insensitive people. Because they could say and actually do things I was so terrified of doing. And I think part of that came from the way I was raised at home to not talk when adults are talking. Honestly, I don't know if it's a good way of training a child, but... One thing I've realized is that that kind of training made me timid. Even as an adult, I still have debris of that mental block that sometimes, you know, try to prevent me from holding meaningful conversations with people that are a bit older than me. So how did I overcome my shyness? Now, sitting right here and telling you right now that I have fully dealt with shyness would be the biggest lie in history. Yeah. Because even as an adult, uh, I still sometimes struggle with these kind of feelings, these feelings of inadequacy. And while I have managed to identify these negative thoughts and deal with them, they sometimes still threaten my self-image. But you know, the tipping point was when I woke up one day and realized that no, the life I was living was not the life I wanted. And for so many years, I watched... People live the life I wanted to live. A life with less anxiety. A life you can be yourself. A life full of laughter, contentment and fulfillment. A life that you are free to share your thoughts and, you know, love someone, chase your dreams without suffering from the trauma of being judged and ridiculed for living on your own terms. So I asked myself, what do I have to do to get there? And that leads me to my first point of how I dealt with my shining. Now, one One philosopher said something really nice about desire for change that I really like so much. He said, The desire to change is a seed that must germinate from within, fueled by a deep and honest understanding of who we are and who we want to become. It is only through this self-awareness that we can unlock the power to transform ourselves. I remember when I began this journey of changing the way I thought and felt about myself. One of the things that helped me was that I I had mental models. Yes, I would often look at the people living the way I wanted to live and just desire so much to be like them. So sometimes I would imagine myself talking and acting like them and, you know, mimicking every move that made them look cool. And anytime I was watching a movie, the charisma and the personality of some of the actors would make me go online to read about them and, you know, find out why they are so confident. And that really led me to a lot of discoveries. I found out that what you think about yourself determines how you feel about yourself. And how you feel about yourself also determines how you carry yourself. So every negative or positive thought you carry about yourself has a corresponding physical posture. For example, someone who thinks little of himself would often have a slouched shoulder, which indicates lack of confidence, or a constantly bowing head, so to avoid eye contact, fidgeting, and restlessness, which often shows discomfort. And, you know, many other things. These were some of the obvious changes that I desire so much to put a stop to in my own life. The second point in my note on how I dealt with my shyness is learning to change. Now, when we are talking about learning to change, uh, Alvin Toffler wrote something that I like so much. He said, The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Now, this strikes me in a really profound way, especially uh, with the level of knowledge and enlightenment that I have gained over the years from just learning to deal with myself. My desire of change, which... Um, su- subsequently led me to the discovery of knowledge and clarity immensely transformed my life in a very tremendous way because i discovered a whole new world of possibilities and opportunities that i never thought existed so this is how my actual learning experience all began one day i had a friend who gave me a book to read and the exposure i got from that particular book gave me an entry point into a new whole world i I cannot really emphasize the impact books have had on my life, but I can boldly say right now that reading has really, really transformed my life. I have communicated with the minds of even dead people whose ideas still rule our world. The minds of people like Plato, Aristotle, yes. And I also discovered some profound researchers and authorities that exposed me to the construct of the way our minds work and why... We act the way we do. Now, when I first began to read and find information about the way I behaved, I realized that my whole life was a paradigm that had to shift. My entire life was like a programming that was riding on autopilot. And even if I wanted to change, I needed to rewrite these quotes. I needed to reprogram my entire mindset. And it also revealed to me the psychological keys that liberated me from some mental shackles that... I put myself in So one of the profound examples was that of Tony Robbins. He said something in his book Unlimited Power. He said there is a program called neuro-linguistic programming which says that you can replicate anybody's results by simply imitating their actions. And I said, "Wow. This is it." So it means that if I see someone getting a result someone successful in society someone who is confident in society and i want to get the result they are getting what i needed to do was just simply copy everything they do copy them and imitate whatever they are doing then i can replicate their results now neuro-linguistic programming or nlp wasn't the only thing i discovered i also found the work of dr maxwell Maltz, who wrote a book called *Psychocybernetics*. This book explicitly talked about the fact that every human has two images of himself. The image of himself he has on the inside and the image of himself he has on the outside. He also explained that how you see yourself on the inside can affect the image of yourself you hold on the outside. And how you look at yourself on the outside can also affect the way you perceive yourself on the inside. It changed my life. So this work by Dr. Maxomotz really exposed me to the world of today, where a lot of young ladies go for plastic surgery, uh, going for breast implants, trying to get more curvy body, uh, big buttocks, round nose, and you know all those body enhancement features, and it, it really explained that all these women have their confidence or self-worth centered on their physical appearance. And so anytime they perceive a body defect on themselves, it affected their self-worth. It affected the way they look at themselves on the inside. It also explained why some people that are considered not so beautiful, but have a lot of confidence because these people, Uh, sometimes maybe they are overweight maybe they are short and stuff like that but these people exude a lot of confidence because the image they have of themselves inwardly is a positive one and that in itself reflects on the way they look at themselves on the outside it doesn't affect the way they look at themselves on the outside i didn't only read i remember the many hours i would put into watching these TED talk videos on YouTube, listening to podcasts, and, you know, I watched and listened to so many, many people like Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, galaga Les Brown, Jim Rohn, Elle Nightingale, Miles Monroe, and many, many other renowned personalities that spent their years researching into human behavior. But do you know one extreme intimidating aspect of all this uh, learning process? With time, I had a lot of knowledge and I had information about things I didn't understand about myself and I knew in my mind what I had to do to change. But surprisingly enough, all the knowledge didn't change me. And now that is what I want to talk about, which leads me to the final point, which is practice. In the initial stages of my learning, I thought I could just change just by thinking my way into action, but it was rather the opposite. I realized that you change by acting your way into thinking. That is, you take the action, then you learn the lesson. So, for example, with the case of having stage fright when talking in public, which, you know, I still struggle with to some extent, no amount of knowledge that I had acquired really helped me until I started taking little steps. Steps like, you know, asking questions in class, approaching and talking to random people on the street, and just sharing an idea with a group of friends. With all the knowledge I had acquired, I started putting it into action. I started to put myself in uncomfortable situations. I started small by small speaking more in, you know, meeting or social gatherings. And I gradually worked my way up to more challenging situations. I found out that the more I exposed myself to social situations, then the more comfortable it became and more so I constructed rituals and routines for myself. I remember back then when I was doing my national service, I had a big notice board in my room on which I wrote so many affirmations and Bible verses. And because I didn't have a television set at the time, I made a notice board to cover the space where I should have had the television set so that anytime I wake up, it would always be my affirmations that I would see first. So wherever I was going, I had pieces of papers in my pocket on which I wrote so many affirmations. Then I would read these things all over and all over, reminding myself of them. One of the practical steps I also took that really helped me was the, was that every week I wrote down small, small goals of, you know, doing little of the things that terrified me. Things like meeting and talking to the opposite sex. These are things that uh, I struggled with. So I often made goals that, okay, this week, I'm going to talk to three ladies and then I would make sure that I do it. I also set goals like joining friends to parties and social interactive events so that I could, you know, force myself to dance, to talk to random people and, you know, just feel the vibe. And initially, it wasn't easy. And I can still imagine how I would feel sometimes in situations that I am embarrassed or like I felt rejected and unwelcome. But, you know, with time, I I became used to it such that it was easy to discard all those negative feelings almost immediately as though we never, okay. So, in conclusion, this whole journey of liberation wasn't, you know, a quick or easy one. But I, I can sit here today and tell you that I am a much more confident person today. And I've learned that I don't have to let my past experiences define me and that I am so capable of growth and change. More importantly, I've also learned that, you know, I am not alone in these struggles. So many of us carry around the weight of negative comments and beliefs, and we are always feeling like we are never, never enough. But it's important to remember that we are not defined by what others are saying about us. We are complex, multifaceted beings with our own unique strengths and weaknesses. It takes time and effort to build a positive self-image. But it's possible and you can do it. So I hope that my story has been helpful to you and that it encourages you to be more compassionate with yourself as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Life in Brief. And until next time, remember to be kind to yourself. Peace out.